Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Chronicles of Ganesi, Curse of the Green Sea. We are a D&D 5th edition podcast where we're a group of adventurers trying to stop an evil space worm from eating the gods, the planes, and everything within them, and then pooping out an egg that may or may not contain either an entire new set of planes, gods, and people, or a duck named Joan. <laughs> we don't know. Our iceberg is deep. God damn it. My name is Coleman Winger, oh. and I play Aura Farney. And I was thinking about that intro all day today when you told me I was doing it. It's a little bit rehearsed. <laughs> I play Aura Farney, <laughs> the paladin, Mizoku, Echo Knight fighter. Um, Aura Farney, my fact for him tonight, is that he wears a navy blue ribbon around his left hand. And that is... Uh, the ribbon that his uh, wife used to used to use to tie her hair up before she passed away, and he now just keeps it tied on his hand as a reminder. Heartbreaking. That's sentimental. I love that. Wait, it's a, it's not on the entropy hand, right? <laughs> it is now. Yeah. So if it blips, do, does it lose the ribbon? Find out this week. On the Chronicles yeah. of Fancy podcast. No, yeah. I don't like it that. Is. That's so sentimental. I can't. I'm going to be thinking about that. My name is Morgan Mendez, and I play Dora Metallet, the Druid slash Cleric of Naramis, um, aka the Metal Wooden Construct, <clears throat> not Clusion's favored uh, suspect to shoot. So, <laughs> my fun fact. <laughs> It was a joke. From a just back. <laughs> he said, I can make it a construct. And I was like, what's that? That's you. So uh, oh my boy. my fact is not is not very bright today. It was also about appearance. But I didn't know if I had said it before because it's been so long. But um, Dara's appearance specifically is oak wood. And the slightest dark more darker gray hue of metal. Um, the mixture of them are paired well with their amber eyes that they chose. They're waiting on, of course, out of all the calamity that's happened, uh, poor Alexander to to create a diamond eye. So normally I draw them with the, the diamond eye already intact, but that that diamond eye is going to be the sheer focus that they're gonna they're gonna put into. But right now it's just their amber eyes, made out of real amber. You already have one. You do I do. Have one. But you already have. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Okay, so we did already one. Oh, yeah. the pair. That's right. Well, we don't have one. to. I kind of like. I like the heterochromia because in real life I have heterochromia, so we can we can stick with that. It's subtle, but it's like green and hazel. We can keep it. Morgan like is like that. a husky. Heterochromia. I won't, I won't look a uh, gift diamond in the mouth. Like, I'll take that shit. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chase Evelyn, and I play Alexander, the human sorcerer. Now with more diamonds. Now with more diamonds. I talked a long time ago (laughs) about how crows were his favorite animal, but I don't think I've ever said anything about his least favorite. Um, He really doesn't like frogs at all. Oh. They seem alien to him, (laughs) the way they they move around, and the the whole, you know, catching bugs with their tongue and stuff. No, he doesn't like them. Not one bit. I wouldn't doubt it if frogs were also Clusion's least favorite animal. I don't know if I ever really thought about that. (laughs) 
ponder. We'll never know because my fun week. facts have to be about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> On that topic, I'm Addis Abel. I play Ignition Trailbreaker, your uh, bug boy, trapper, tracker, ranger of the group. Um, apparently, I'm just going to get worse at that every week, by the way. Uh, uh, the fun fact for this week uh, is rings. We're talking about rings today. It's uh, rings. They go on your fingers. Lucia doesn't have a problem with rings. Unlike your rings, he doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bother him, but he has lost a couple. Because uh, when he started guiding people, he was given one by uh, one of the people he took out. It was like a family seal ring or whatever. It only fit on his pointer finger. Got caught on a bowstring, cut his finger a little bit, and went flying off, never found it. It's out there in the woods somewhere, probably uh, with his uh, that glove. It's probably with the glove. <laughs> with the glove. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, he doesn't mind rings, though. He just has to make sure he gets them on not the fingers he uses to draw his bow. Big left-hand ring guy. All right, I am Dustin Ohl, and I play Yorderim Battlehammer. The male mountain dwarf fighter. Uh, Yordi's fun fact is he never takes his armor off unless it is to bathe. And he has a reason for this, and Bill <laughs> knows exactly why. Uh, back in his own plane of existence, he was on a mission with Clution and our other group members. And we were in charge of taking this girl back to her house and she offered Yordi to stay the night at her place. So Yordi's like, Oh, okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> so Yordi starts doing it. <laughs> Armor comes off and she turns on to be a, I believe it was a succubus. If I remember right, almost kills Yordi. <laughs> no, the she rest was just of the a group- spy for the big bad. Well, she a spy. I could have swore she turned uh-huh. into something. Yeah, no, she like leaned in real close. She's like, the spider senses regards. And then you're right. like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was at that point he knew he fucked up. Indeed it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hi, I'm Marshall, uh, the DM. My fun fact is uh, more of an explanation than a fact. A little bit of a precursor to polyphonic ingenuity. The simplest explanation of polyphonic ingenuity is that sounds create magic by influencing the transitory wave that exists. Uh, you could imagine it like a real world, like the Big Bang, the the cosmic radiation, the radio waves that are just constantly spilling throughout the universe. In this, it's a very real alterable thing uh the complex explanation uh, the answer lies at the molecular level of the universe certain tones create vibrations within atoms arranging and rearranging them at will learning how to direct one's voice to bend reality to their will in symphonic harmony is a skill that takes many decades of practice there are only a few in the green sea who practice polyphonic ingenuity though there are sects elsewhere in the world who pass their tradition to new generations of conductors so you telling me I could play music with my saxophone? You could sing, and a saxophone would appear. <laughs> Bruh, I know my character for next campaign. <laughs>
like just watch we could have like all been bards this campaign and just totally derailed like <laughs> the rarity of this magic no i will say it is not bardic My music char- that is thaumaturgy this I mean, is i say it's poly i would say the only bardic school that could be classified as polyphonic ingenuity would be college of creation quite like literally creating somebody. something from nothing cool and even that i would say just from a standpoint of like the lore of the world would be just that specific ability out of that whole class cool but <clears throat> with that out of the way let's begin last time here we go sorry <laughs> it's on the wrong page last time you spoke with Halalu Sunspire and asked if he would accompany you to fight with Amira. He told you no, he was going to remain and take care of his god. But in place of him, he would offer Rage, Spud, Ishan, Ishani, and his own house attendant, Halogen, otherwise known as Brinalk. Uh You journeyed with, or through Halalu's portal with the refugees to Meldrior where you approach the sandstone tower, a sandstone spire, and you met the archmage, Xerix, Ahosalar. Uh, After selling off the dragon bones, essentially, to him, um, he offered you 11,000 gold. Uh, the deal was kind of rushed because he was touching the different Star Weaver's items that you had recently found, and his body was taking over. Uh, there are a few people in the world of Ganesi who have the ability to see the psychic and emotional imprint on objects, and he is one of them. And in relation to such objects that have very strong emotional ties, it is hard not to speak and give in to what you're feeling and experiencing when you touch it. In doing so, he revealed truths that in this world are better left buried and angels and devils begin to attack. He threw up a large bubble around the sandstone spire, uh, giving you all time to escape and the attendants and tourists that were also there. When you arrived at the bottom floor, regrouped, created the teleportation circle and teleported, you arrived on Karth where immediately the Aladon woman rage began to barf uh, and kind of through the sunlight and the sound of the ocean, you saw Villamir approaching. What do you do? fuck just happened what was that there's some things that are better I, left buried I... go ahead Morgan. i write down psychic emotional ties so it's okay go ahead and lead um because you'd probably know more about the magic barrier than darwood 
from a place you like... probably wouldn't know, you know much about the barrier that was put up on that tower anyway. That's not exactly what but, uh, the magic he studied. But you do know about everything outside. So, that's why I'm going to let you lead. Okay. Alexander, what... I, I mean, why did just looking at our shit just trigger something? I mean... It wasn't looking at it, it was what he said. I don't... We need to not talk about it out loud. Or they may come here. Oh, that's what it was? I mean, some... The knowledge was brought forward and... Yeah. Knowledge of what, though? I mean, what's happening that that, that, that would make that happen? I mean, you spare me the details about the specifics, but I mean, like, why? I, th- I think things aren't as... They seem. That's the best I can say. I've seen. I saw this happen once more when we looked at the books in the grove, but it wasn't that violent. Fair enough. Vilimir, can you offer something better here, Sacha? Please. It's kind of like watching the the motley crew of all of you. Um, the <laughs> two new. Elves that have accompanied you, um, the Aladon, the Tortle, and the other elf, I guess, so three elves. Uh, he's just kind of like looking you all up and down, and he says, um, kind of side eyeing Alexander, I think there are some things that are better left unspoken. Um, perhaps we can. And he kind of like looks up at the sky, looks back down, have some tea this afternoon and journal together. If you'd like to know more. Journal. Okay. How does he react to me just referring to him so personally? Did he just like not even skip a beat? He kind of like narrowed his eyes a little bit and looked at you. Unsure. Um, but then he, he knows the company that you're with and he knows how informal for the most part and loose lipped they can be <laughs> about some things. So I, so I get the feeling that he doesn't recognize me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He knows that, you know, his name, uh, which he kind of like gave you a weird glance about, but yeah. Okay. Thanks. You see behind Villamir, a uh, large steelborn, familiar uh, but slightly different, walking up. Um, his body is slightly wider. Uh, it looks like he's reshaped his chassis, um, but you see Hopeless, uh, otherwise known by his serial number H zero P dash three seven three S S. He takes a step forward and. Um, You notice Fenric kind of sitting on his shoulder and Hopeless says in flawless common, uh, he says, uh, hello, it's it's great to see all of you again. It's only been a few days, but um, we've been hard at work. Well, you'd probably be excited to hear that we did decent in the Brokamuda. I, I, that is amazing. how how far up did you place? On a technicality first. 
wow. And he kind of like nudges uh, with his right hand. He nudges Fenric on his shoulder and he says, uh, "Did uh, how far did Charlia and Sal get? Last we saw, they they had just left here for the for the tourney. I didn't see either one of them there. Did any of you guys see them? Looking at the rest of the group and the uh, additional people. Did I just, see like, them, Marshall? His head. It's like, no. Nope. Sean uh, just kind of shakes his head and says, I do not know even who this is, but um, I did not see any such people in the tourney. Hopeless uh, just kind of shakes his head, confused. Fenric hops down and he says, well, if you didn't see uh, Sal and, and Shalaya, where do you, what, 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 then you want on a technicality? What does that even mean? What, did, what happened? What did, uh... I looked at Vilmir. How about that tea? He just kind of nods. He says, um, well, you're free to follow me. We can head to the um, Kraken's Fall Tavern and find a table. He leads you guys away. Um, Spud and Rage, you can see both of them. Uh, Spud's kind of comforting her. And uh, he looks back at uh, Dara and he says, "Um, <clears throat> If you don't mind, uh, I think the lady and I are going to hang back just a little bit for now. Get her bearings, you know. Uh, before I go for tea, uh, have you seen Zelos? Who are you asking? Wasn't it just them that asked said that? Spud said Are that, I... the turtle who came with you here. Never mind. Okay, I'm sorry. I missed, got confused accents. We'll go have tea. Okay. Sure. You uh, walk over to the Kraken's Fall. It's not far away. You see uh, there's a few people sitting at the bar and getting some drinks. There's a... Um, a uh, Mazoku woman who is tending bar now. You can see a couple of elves sat there. You see a few Garuda in the corner that are talking, uh, kind of mapping things out, it looks like, and charting a course uh, for a ship. And Villamir leads you to a decently sized table, pulls some chairs over, and he kind of waves over the bartender and says, uh, get them whatever they'd like. Uh, and as they do, uh, he sits and he says, okay. Um, After the last person sits down, I say, no sense in uh, waiting. May as well rip the bandaid off. Chomps to hear us here. He nods slowly. To be Not more like specific, he... I um, uh, reach into that, you know, tether, that direction and points towards the direction. He nods slowly, not like he knows that he's back, but just that he expected this. And he says, um, okay, right, right. Um, the, the Garuda over at um, the Erie, as it's called now, they discovered something that uh, might be of interest to you lot about that. Um, Finn had approached me uh, a while ago. Um, before the raid when he had gone over to investigate and disguised himself to run along the halls and map out the roost. 
he had overheard a conversation about some kind of machine or, or something that only Trelandriel, Quill's mother, of course, uh, was apparently able to operate. I haven't quite gotten all of the specifics, but it seems like it could be useful. Uh, Chernabog, apparently, the, the scientist who was working on it, he turned over to our side after the ruse fell in exchange for his life. And well, he's got some interesting ideas about how they can use that machine against Shams to here. It creates a momentary stasis blast from what he says, which potentially could be could be good in a pinch to freeze him for a couple of moments. Percentage. And this is at, at the roof. freezing. Sorry, what was that, Mark? Adara asked what the percentage was that could it could freeze him. I mean, if you hit him, there's a pretty good chance. It's just a matter of getting him in a spot long enough that you could hit. So you don't have a clear answer on the percentage. I've never used the machine. I'm really only just learning about it the last couple of days. I see. It would have been more accurate if we had a percentage. Well, he's a large target, right? Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's a large target who can shoot very large beams. Yeah. What were you saying, Orifarni? This is at Slaver's Roost, right? Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> although now they prefer to call it the Eerie uh, under the new leadership. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. This is at the Eerie for the moment. They're trying to figure out how we can transport it to the Isle of Karth. How big is it? From what Chernobog says, it's uh, roughly the size of one person can sit inside of it and move the handles around and aim and shoot the blast. So if I had to guess, probably six to eight feet long, probably four feet high. I can't say how much it would weigh. Just need to look up the spell real quick to make sure I said this correctly. Where is it? Remind me what Quill's mother's name again is. Trelandriel. Yes. So you said that Shrill... That she designed this. No, that she could wield it. That she she could could wield it. it. This designed machine. But we don't actually know. I wonder if they... They got it from somewhere else. Um, Much like the... uh, You would be wearing your... Breastplate, right, Coleman? Yeah. Um, and I would have my staff. Okay. Should we? We should we let him know what we found? Because uh, before you go any farther, Clusion and Dara, with a passive perception of nineteen, you both notice Ishan and Ishani just like quickly share a look when you say, "Where did they get it from?" Okay. Oh. I'm gonna let. And then they very clearly tried to play it off as they take a drink and just kind of like smile and rejoin the conversation. 
This would be Clusian's ultimate time to do a check. Come on, investigate him. Come on, baby, this is your chance. I don't know if that's do really it. an investigation kind of thing, though. I think you both should um, probably just insight him. We could. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Use your stats to your advantage. I want to give you some time, so. <laughs> yeah, dude, I want to ins- insight those two. See if they seem like uh, they've been up to something. Uh, Marshall, can sure. I give him advantage? I... Sure. Okay. You're not in your favorite terrain. It's true, you're not. Love to see no, it. I'm not. It's not a beach anymore. I mean, it's not ah, the best. I got a nat 20, though, with the, with the advantage. <sighs> Motherfucker. Yes, <sir>. Good <laughs> job. What are you trying to do? What, is, what role did you make? Uh, insight to see if they've insight. been up to, like, shady stuff. Okay, you see them sitting across the table from you. You hear Dara mention, you know, where did they get this device from? And you see the two of them share a small look of acknowledgement between the two of them where they know something is what you deduce. Um, Or at least this machine, this device sounds very familiar to them uh, to the point where they exchanged a quick, almost worried glance as to whether or not they've been up to shady shit. In the time that you've known them, they've been very friendly, almost overly so when it comes to new people. Um, and they have been very aloof at the same time. At the party, you noticed that they were mingling and they were uh, laughing and they were like the life of the party one moment and then the next they would slink off and just kind of stand alone. You don't know if that's necessarily shady or if that's just kind of two people who are very popular to get worn out very quickly from conversations. I'll leave that for you to decide. Can't decide if we should try to ask them about it or not. They don't have black rings around their eyes and like giant sacks of money over their shoulder or anything. <laughs> oh man, they don't. They don't look like the Hamburglar. Mm-mm. Oh. Not this time. Not yet. They're gonna wait till you're asleep to do that. Um, Marshall, for me, could you type their names in the chat for me, please, so I can write them down? Sure. Thank you. Obviously, my wisdom isn't high enough to see that, but that means that she probably wasn't actually flirting with me, too. So <laughs> that hurts a little bit. No, I think uh, anybody with at least five perception can tell you that she was. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm gorgeous, but, you know, <laughs> it's on the table is, is he still I'm, handsome? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, at the moment. At the moment. Oh, shit. I was oh, always shit. handsome. Put that out there. Out there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> He I was just always like a nine. What was <laughs> he's a ten, but when he looked in the mirror <laughs> He's an eight in the real world, ten in the office. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and my office consists of a bunch of strapping buff adventurers, so that's pretty great. Pretty great. I'm gonna say to Vilmir, don't look into the history of these items, just forewarning. And when he says don't look into the history of these items, what he means is you will literally summon heaven and hell on you and angels will start murdering people also with devils murdering people together on the same team. 
just like slowly nods, trying to digest what you're saying. And I mean that in the most literal sense that I could possibly deliver it. Like the angels that attacked um, all of the Emerald Order when they had left St. Christoph. I don't know. Is that Worse. what happened? Precisely. Worse. But with devil thrown in. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, that has to be related. But like, it's not a kraken. It's not twin blood moons and malevolence. It's not an orc. It's not a dragon. It's not uh, a, a big worm. So like, it's not part of this prophecy. What is, what's, what, what else is happening here? This is like a separate incident. We're approaching the part that we don't want to talk about out loud. You see him like very quickly, like hard swallow, just kind of like set his his jaw, kind of like blink a couple times and look up, hold his breath for a second and look back down and, and sigh and say, uh, there are some things that are best left undisturbed. Um, of course, if you want to disturb... Um, by all means, we can grab shovels and start digging. But I prefer that we don't bring any, like Luxadara, all of the angels and devils to Karth as well. As well, not. we could probably fend them off for a while. I don't think I'm strong enough even to last more than a half hour or so. That was a very unpredictable fight, and we were outmatched. I would not want to bring such a c- horrible catastrophe to this place that is of peace and rebuilding to these poor people. And I don't mean to say poor in that they're helpless. It's this is it would be like bringing them to their home. Yeah, it would be like s- you you harming innocent little baby animals that have no defense hopeless kind of interrupts you and says is that not what just happened in Maldrior where you came from mm-hmm. it did and we didn't expect it we are very oh. anxious and I just look around at everyone that that happened oh, I've made that chill out tea I'm sipping on it you see uh Bernalk slash Halogen, as Sunspire called him. He says, uh, <clears throat> if I might, um, I will uh, reach out to my contacts around Venubia, uh, send a couple of letters, and, and hope that they can at least help stem the flow of the creatures that are descending upon the town. Um, and And by letters, I mean he like taps his forehead a couple of times. He's like, "I just give me a couple of minutes outside, and I'll get it done." He kind of like abruptly stands and walks away, like very shaken up. Uh, definitely not thinking he was going to be in any of this a couple of hours ago. <laughs> just kind of like, "What the fuck did I get myself into?" Um, yeah. Ishan speaks up and says, "Uh." This, um, this Chernobog, where could we find him? We would like to have a word about this machine. We may know a couple of design 
flaws it might have if this is indeed something that was stolen or recovered from Satori. Insight check. Sure. Natural 20. I'll take a picture if you want me to for 28. He seems concerned that this device could, from the logic that he just stated, uh, you interpret it as he has seen products like this potentially in the past that have had defects that could have hurt people. Seems on the up and up, not trying to cover up something. He seems like he is worried about the device and like he wants to have a conversation with Chernobog to ensure the safety of whoever uses it. Gotcha. The Fenric kind of pipes up and goes, uh, yeah, um, we can, uh, we can get you connected. That'll be, that'll be fine. We'll get you connected. And you see the two of them kind of stand and Fenric pops off with them. Hopeless stays, leaving the Emerald Order hopeless and Villamir sitting at the table. Villamir pulls a small book from a bag. He sets it on the table and he pulls a quill and ink and dips and says, is this something that you want to delve into? Or is this something that you'd like to leave for the moment? I can't speak for everyone, but I think it ought to be left for at least now. I also think that if we do speak of it, we need to speak of it in code. That's what this journal is for. I know. but Kind of gives you a tight smile. <laughs> very, very secure code that only we know maybe using numbers, letters, and symbols that are would not make any sense to the normal eye. Sounds like a robot explanation to me. Who <laughs> wants to write it in binary? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if whatever power is causing them to just descend based on <sighs> the audible word, I mean, would, would the written word also carry that much weight? I mean, would writing whatever the fuck we want to write down also trigger this it could we should come up with different names for things like when you say a rabbit we could mean it as and they nod and see like if you understand and we could say those common words and things and it sounds like we're talking about hunting for food so we do not give those entities power. See, I'm just like scribbling in the notebook and he says, Kenos is a rabbit. Puts a period. Dar just looked at them and go. I'm going to write this down so I remember. Right. Uh, you didn't have to use that example, but we could use that as a start. <laughs> you just So using it. your strange code, explain to me what caused them to appear in Meldrior. Identification of the history of these items. Okay. Of these star items. He's like darting his eyes, just trying to understand, and he's like, okay. Identification of the items, sure. Um, what was revealed in a 
just kind of like gestures with his hands trying to come up with anything. (laughs) He identified and started speaking in other voices in like a poem. Poem. He mentioned memories. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm with you so far. There was a poet, a certain. Okay. And these memories, uh, did they reveal anything spectacular or was it underwhelming news that called them to you? Shit went over my head. Alexander seemed to know what was going on, though. Alexia died. You know this to be true. Yes. Their conversation revealed last words between Rabbit and Alexia. Slowly nods. Okay. Okay. Does this have anything to do with the Rabbit's hutch? Maybe. Uncertain. nods. Some say the Rabbit... Deserved a better hutch than the one it was given. Some think the caretakers of the rabbit were... He kind of like looks up and around the room, privy to information that the rabbit disagreed with. And he's like still just like staring up at the room <laughs> as he's talking. That much is... I don't want to wake a sleeping dog. He nods. Yes. Well, I think that says everything it needs to say then. Yes, um, there are theories that the dogs chase the rabbit into a corner and threatened it until it decided to remain quiet. Y'all about died when he said the dogs. I did too. <laughs> this is a... And there are some who claim that the rabbit escaped the hutch long, long ago. I shrugs. Regardless, um, if the dogs are aware that <sighs> truth again, he flicks his eyes up is growing more prevalent, then I can only imagine that there will be more retribution in future. That is an entirely different beast to the beast that you face right now. I think the correct question, and he kind of like points at your amulet, says the correct question is, are the dogs that have come to heal for you the dogs who chase the rabbit? That's a great question. Kind of like shrugs and stretches his mouth wide, like, mm. takes a sip of his tea. Well, I know that my former associate was running from the dogs, or at least I presume. If you knew just how vicious the dogs would be, everyone would run. But no doubt you came here for a reason rather than just escaping. In uh, 25 words or less, I explained to him our 
patchwork idea about Shams to here and Rosehaven. Stalin's circle, Shams to here, drain power, kill. Boom. <laughs> Pretty much. And or, then also do seven words. <laughs> and then also that the Tenostari might be some sort of help. Mm. Well, if you want to talk to the Tenostari, I guess we could go and see um, Lord. Out of, out of curiosity, I don't think I've asked you. Has was he affected by the weave as well? Don't know. Okay. You don't know? Yeah. Haven't heard him in a bit. Yeah, he kind of glances up, just kind of deeply looks at all of you and says, you see like just a small sheen in his eyes momentarily as he kind of pretends to take a sip of his drink as he casts a spell. He says, um, I can see that more of you have accepted the glyph of Atropos. What? It's, uh, Disheartening, but um, expected, I suppose, given what you're dealing with. Um, no time like the present. He stands and finishes his tea, begins walking to the door. On your way out the door, uh, you see a uh, a man walking in. I say man very lightly. Uh, it's a Leonin man with shoulder pauldrons and blackish brown hair and green eye and a blue eye and a necklace with dragon scales of different colors. And he walks in, and he's like, Oh! Hey, Vilimir! Vilimir's like, Hello, Amna. We've got some business with the guild, so... Um, I'll catch you soon. No, right. You see the Leonin walk into the bar as you guys leave. You make your way over to the somewhat reconstructed, not not very impressive, but somewhat reconstructed Tenestari headquarters. Uh, more of it has been unearthed. Uh, you can see there's new construction over the old uh, as best they can. Some places are being expanded or shortened based on the, the stonework that's just too heavy to move. Um, he opens the door and walks inside. Uh, you pass through this long hallway uh, with pillars on either side every 15 or so feet with a black and white marbled floor that's kind of been half restored and is still half destroyed. See like old marks and scorch marks on it. Um, in the center, you just see this large uh, like crater that seems where the stone had just melted into the earth below. Um, as you walk forward uh, past another set of double doors in a small hallway, uh, Villamir leads you to the guildmaster's office. He knocks on the door three short times, pauses and knocks again. You just kind of hear this muffled voice on the inside ushering him to come inside. And the door opens and you see Gavik. just kind of sitting behind a desk reading a couple of scrolls. Uh, looking a bit emaciated. Salt and peppery in his hair. Just looks a bit unhealthy, kind of like how you've seen Vilimir look in the past. Like, he aged? Uh, for those of you who were there for the one shot and for the listeners who may have heard it, uh, Gavik assisted Vilimir in traveling back to the present day, where they accidentally overshot just a little bit. 
and landed a few days in the future. Uh, none of you know this, of course, but he does look like he's aged considerably uh, and he's a bit emaciated. He's not as strong as he looked before, uh, but you can see that he's like slowly. He looks like he's slowly filling out. And he looks up and he's like, yes, yes. What is it? Oh, hello, guys. Hi. What the fuck are you doing here? Should have known. Did you get our message? Yeah, I um placed something in the fucking Bester thing. Creepy chicken leg. Um Did you get mine? Oh, we might have it missed it. May have got buried underneath eleven thousand gold. <laughs> you see him just like raise his eyebrows. <laughs> it's like Okay, okay. <laughs> we were in a hurry. <clears throat> Oh my god. It's about I'll to be explain. like our gold. <laughs> <laughs> no. You see, mean the Tenestari's gold. We are a guild. <laughs> Collective now. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> he kind of like claps his hands. Um, you see his fingers again, just like narrow and kind of bony. It's like, so, what's, uh, what can I? do for you what to uh, what you need uh, we, we spoke briefly about charms to here but no but um i have a working theory obviously it's up to scrutiny because i don't even know if it'll work we've got a crate of denora crystals airstone crystals and amaranth crystals of varying purities what we lack is manpower to make it happen Right. So you're wanting me to give you Martin Estari for this operation. That would be a wonderful gift. We're going to... Tr- Sorry. No, you're good. That was all I was saying. It was just a good gift. We're going to try one way or the other. You know that. Look, we rescued... Um, it kind of like scowls almost at Villamir. Uh, seemingly the two of them sharing something. Uh, and he's like, we rescued uh, 18 or so people. So we have some manpower. Obviously, it wouldn't be wise necessarily to send everybody, but um, anyone who's willing to fight, I, I'm not going to tell them no. This is a world that they recently got a chance to live in marshall we don't because we don't know this um it's going to be a bit of a shock (laughs) to hear someone going and retrieving someone Um, he hasn't said anything about it yet i know that's what you were saying (laughs) like these were these people didn't exist anymore last time you were here he did not have 18 Sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to calculate. Dar, would you, you just see them thinking, "What they're gonna ask?" Um, it is, it is good to see you. It's been several days. You would have liked the Barokamuda. I would have been able to fight a lot of different, a lot of different things. Would have made you very happy. But you have 18 companions that didn't 
exist before and now they do? That's incredible. How? Vilimir just nods at him and he says, uh, we retrieved them from the past when Kez Riley burnt this place to the ground, or so they said. What? And we brought them here. That's why I look like a fucking shell of my normal self. You traveled back. Mm-hmm. The repercussions of that could be severe. I see how you. Yeah, it the is repercussions of not traveling back seemed a bit severe as well, didn't they? Look what it did to your body. Oh. I'm sorry. This is a small price to pay. It'll be just right as rain here in a few weeks, probably. Salt and pepper looks good on you. Thanks, but the um, lack of muscle <laughs> does not. Sorry. I, I want you to meet our friend, and I'll just put my hand on Orifarnes. Um, back. Ass. Uh, <laughs> ass. <laughs> That was a, shoves him forward by the ass. I'm just kidding. Um, now this is this is our friend Orifarne. Um He had a divine calling and joined us. He's been in a tremendous All help. Right. I, you Not don't have really to sure. like him, but man, has he been so much help? I, I can't even go into detail. Uh, Orifarne. Uh, thank you. Um, Yorderim is also new here. I'm not sure why I'm getting singled out like that. Um, Yordi's just over here sitting, you, sipping his tea, kind of falling like asleep. staring at Yordim, and he's like, wasn't, but I know him. He, uh, I have to kill him. I was trying to keep him alive. What the fuck is he doing here? Is he it's a fucking tight. zombie? He, no, no, he's just having a drink. He's he's here in the flesh. He's, <laughs> he's that- You do, you see him reaching his coat and like, Put his hand on his gun, and he's no, like, no, "Is he no, a no. fucking zombie?" No, no, he's not a no, he's not a zombie. No, no. All right, no. All right. I promise. I promise. You have my word. We have been friends a long time. You know, I, we would not have anybody questionable come into this pri- the privacy of our of our group. You're just gonna kind of look up and be like, Is "That a threat, old man?" God, is he looking like a door to you? <laughs> I reckon this old man could still kick your ass, but uh, I don't have time for that. Really, you should definitely Got challenge a lot of people. To a train dream. to learn from, to guide and lead and rebuild. You should challenge um, him to drink with you. You seem to raise an eyebrow and shake his head. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Reach out to that tether to Kaz. Do I feel him stirring at all from this whole conversation? You do not. You feel very isolated. The, is this presence even there? Not that you can tell. Okay. Okay. Right. Listen. Um, I know that we had talked a little bit about before uh, finding how the uh, ancient Tinnisori had trapped dragons. So, um, one of the people we brought back, Bear, he had that ability in the past and probably now in the present as well. I don't see why that would change. Uh, it was called Soul Snare. 
It involved some technique known as Atmalian art. This art isn't thaumaturgical, as best we can tell, or polyphonic, or astrological, or whatever the fuck else exists. The Kester can uh, use their own memories or physical pain to cast extraordinary spells that can reshape the very soul and personage of a target. In doing so, if they're using their memories, uh, they have to be directly related to their deepest emotional ties and memories of your loved ones or people that you've lost. Uh, and you will lose those memories in the process of this spell. If it's tied to pain, the caster can play it safe or heighten the effect by giving more of their own body and soul, possibly resulting in their untimely demise and obliteration of their own soul, if they're unlucky. Of which I am posting in the chat for you guys, you don't have to ask. Therefore. Well, uh, nothing without cost, right? Magic that powerful, certainly. Do you think that Shamsta here you know, who is so different, though so similar to other dragons, would come under the the same effects as easily as a normal dragon? Thanks, his head. That's not something I could really um, answer for you, but I could... Um... Uh, I think the better question is, is what's happened to Agutsuki's soul that now that he's absorbed a couple others? Well, why don't we um, ask an expert, shall we? Uh, he kind of like shouts up and he's like, hey, bat! A few seconds later, you see this this man just like open the door and walk in as if he's been standing there the entire time. A uh, large human man by the look of him, uh, barrel chested, hair poking out of his breastplate. Um, recently bald, except for a small bit of uh, strip on top. He says, um, you wanted to know if... Uh, you can soul snare uh, Shams to here, is that it? Well, um, <laughs> it's hard to do on souls that are tough and on souls that are um, larger, larger than life, like a dragon. It can be done, of course, but uh, Shams to here, you're right, could be a very special case. In the sense that he does have multiple souls, from what you've just said, if he's absorbed other dragons, or anything, really. At which point, the level at which he would need to cast these Altmalian arts is significantly higher. Which is either much more guarantee that you're going to forget everyone you've ever known and loved, or guarantee that your entire soul will be obliterated in the process. Two questions. One, would it be possible to target a single dragon that he has absorbed? And two, is this something that magic that could be taught? As to the first point, if you were to uh, somehow bind him and give the caster enough time to reach inside and separate his soul from any others, it could be possible. That kind of time is not usually a luxury when it comes to dragons. Two, it is possible to teach incredibly painful and risky, but possible. Did Millie stay behind at the tavern or did she go with us? I would say that she's probably with you. Well, how long would it take to 
to teach this art. I say, don't saying, we had, saying we had to, you know. If 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 they're a fast learner, I've taught a couple of the recruits in a week. If they're extremely gifted, a couple of days. If they're slower, upwards of a month. It just uh, kind of depends on how much they wanted. Uh, a lot of the recruits were, needless to say, not exactly happy to give away their memories and their lives just to trap a single fucking dragon. I look to Gavik. We have six days best. He looks at the group and says, uh, we get to decide who's going to die. He just gives a smile. If you want. You'd like to be the person who tries to learn the Etmalian arts and uh, perish in the process or forget everyone you've ever known and loved. If you can't keep concentration on him, then that's your funeral. <clears throat> you see the big man just kind of like put a hand on your shoulder or if and he stands about the same height as you. Maybe just a tiny, like a, a couple centimeters shorter, maybe. Puts a hand on your shoulder and he's like, that's what I like to hear is somebody who's willing to, you know, potentially lose everything and gain nothing or gain everything and lose nothing. Life is a gamble. Yeah, I've already lost most everything already. So uh, I'd say I haven't got much to lose in the first place, so. There's a lot to gain here. I'd be happy to teach you, but uh, you only got six days and we got to go now. We got to get started. Let's do it. If you're a fast learner, let's hope. Because <laughs> if you're not, it's going to be for nothing. I have a, I have a 10 intelligence and an 11 wisdom, so let's fucking hope, right? <laughs> it's not necessarily down to uh, how smart you are. It's down to... He kind of like thumps his chest a couple times. What's in here that matters? Oh, I got an ass load of that big guy. Let's go. He like glances down at your ass. <laughs> Fair which, by the, which, by the way, got a couple sizes larger when I drank that water. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. He walks out the room and I assume you follow him. Yep rest of you in the room with Gavik. He just kind of like looks at all of you and looks down at the scroll he was reading and he kind of like quickly bends down and like finishes his signature and rolls it up, tightens it, puts a little bow around it, a little ribbon, sets it on the desk and says, uh, is there um, anything else I can do for you? Um, obviously we're going to give many men one to go. I need to give back the thing that you gave me. It's, uh, oh my God, Coleman, you're going to have to, it's a, that, that does not help us. A knife. It's a knife. It's a knife that did not look like a knife that he put on the screen. It looked like an olive oil bottle. And I was very confused. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was so confused. Um, it was a knife. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. Sorry for the sporadic. Thank you. Okay, uh, it's it's only been a few days. I didn't ever think I'd see you again. 
but you know, as promised, and they're going to pull out from one of their many lovely compartments, pop, pop on their side and a box comes open, pulls out a knife and hands it back to Gavik. Yeah. Kind of like looks at it and he's like, that is a very useful trick. You should see my gray water tank. They didn't like it. I can assure you that I really <laughs> no, don't want to see that. Um, yeah, um, sure. It's not black water. We're just going to keep playing fucking keep away with this dagger, aren't we? <laughs> Takes it from you. It's like, I'll give it to you the next time you leave. <laughs> Sounds good. I promise. You gotta stay alive long enough to give it back. Kind of like, for a moment, looks down at his hand as you say that. You can see this, like, with your insight, you can see just this hint of, like, questioning how long that could be. As he's literally facing his mortality right now in his body, uh, but his spirit is strong. And he looks back up at you and gives you that kind of forced smile. It's like, right, right. You'll make it through, you old fuck. Oh, I'll be fine. Um, just turns out that Vilimir's bugs don't really uh, work on me, so mm. it's going to take a little bit more time. It's all right. Let's get to business. And it gives you one of those, like, wincing smiles, you know? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Where it's like... Eh. Cheeky bastard. Well, All right. Um, like I said, is there anything else I can do for you before I get back to my work? Um, I, I would love to share a drink with you tonight, maybe, but um, there are big things sort of happening uh, here on Karth and beyond, and I've got a lot that I need to do. Right. Uh, fuck off, then. I was going <laughs> to say, ask, ask him about his ancestor. <laughs> We good? I think so. Oh, I was just kicked and joined back. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, like everyone froze and no one said anything. I'm like, uh. <laughs> uh ask him about his ancestor. Yeah. Uh. Oh, do you want? Okay. I, um, I, I had ended that conversation, so I'll pretend like I didn't. And I'll just come up to him as he. What appears to be, I'm assuming, a smile is actually a really disgusting Homelander version of a of a scowl. <laughs> yeah, where he looks yeah, psychotic, yeah. but it's it's like Gavik trying to be like, mm, but not really coming off, and be like, listen, yeah, yeah very tight lip smile. Yeah, puts my hand on your shoulder. How's your ancestor? I right. I know he's not touchy feely. Just like instantly glares at you, and he's like, "There's a lot to unpack." Uh huh. Turns out maybe he could be useful. Doesn't change the fact that he's a cunt. Yeah. Rightfully so. Well, since you solved that issue with the past, I just thought, you know, I'm sure that we necessarily solved anything. This could be what was meant to happen all along. That's true. Yeah time and something I've learned recently is that the more you mess with time the more time messes with you oh. things aren't always what they appear and when 
certain things happen uh, and you're very sure that they've happened and then you find out that uh, just like a small small soft chuckle says uh, you find out that uh, you were one of the reasons that those things happened in the first place and it never actually happened because they just got moved into a different fucking time it's a very confusing thing it's okay we understand all you- of these people died in the first era but they didn't they're here do you see what I'm saying like what if that's the case for everything that we've done you what see- if that were the case with my ancestor what if that were the case with you what if that were the case with the people of you know where you're from and what if somebody just fucked off in time and he shakes his head it's like, how can you really be certain of anything at that point? Gavik, you know, you you are, you've always been an asshole. But sometimes you are very... He nods. <laughs> sometimes in, in this moment particularly, you are very insightful. That that was very important information. You just see, you well, see our thinking. He kind of like raises his arms and like shows himself. And he's like, well, uh, I have aged Yes. <laughs> you just see Darby like, I'm so fucking old. Like, yes, he's finally understanding the concept of time. It's hitting him. Darby's not affected by time. Time's just a, it doesn't Have work. Have you like- heard any word of, um, kind of like licks his lips. You heard any, any word of, uh, what's happening in Tovola while I've been away? Um, is the plague in Xanderhold contained or? Has any has anything happened out there? I don't. Did we even get any word we, about Torval in the few days we were in? We you did. We heard about the uprising. Yes, right? that's right. Chime in uh, then, Chase. And how it was led by somebody who had the Osmere spirit. That's more or less all I know. You see him kind of stare down at the desk for a moment and his eyes just kind of darting back and forth and he sits down quickly and like starts rummaging through his drawers and finds another scroll. It's like, right then, um, <clears throat> enough questions. Um, like I said, I've got work to do. Sure. Thank you for the information. Uh, I'll see you all later. I'm sure. Um, when we leave Marshall, can I do, this is in private. Can I do, um, a knowledge check? to see if I put together what he said in relation to our current position. Gonna have to decipher that one for me. <laughs> I was what are you mean talking exactly? about what he said about fucking with timelines? Yes. Timelines. Sure. Go ahead. Thank you. Because that um, was very an insight important. check. Okay. I want to say something to Gavik before we go out the door. Sure. It's not what wanted to use. Ah, so seven. Seven total? Yes, because yeah. I only have a four uh, well, in insight. That's why I asked for knowledge. To- well, it, it's <laughs> but It's okay. You get the gist of what he's saying and the implications it could have. You, you kind of... The you're misinterpreting it slightly as Dara 
is misinterpreting this slightly due to the the seven, you know, yeah. and wanting to know exactly how it affects where they are at the moment as as they begin thinking about it. They they start to feel like maybe Gavik is feeling a bit insecure and uncertain, which is not what's happening. But you're kind of wondering if maybe he's doing okay emotionally now. Oh, well, I don't need to play therapy. Which has he ever? With Gavik. <laughs> That's not... He's never sat down with me. And he's not about to sit down now. Anyone? No. Yeah, yeah. y'all all fuck off before you can go and have a moment with me. Like, I think... Talk about your feelings. i the hey. only one that is aware of his parents in Torvala. Should be you and Dara, at least. You could Clushin, I think Lucian too, because he was in does, oh, okay. Dude, I wasn't sure because I was with them when we when he sent off that letter. I don't yeah, know. Dara Lush. was with them when okay. they learned in the second session, right? That they were up there. Yeah, gotcha. Clushin especially knows because he was him and I were together alone when I received the letter back from them, telling about how they were safe, and he was so relieved. And you're like. You look right. a little happy, which is out, off character. So, that's, yeah. right, that's right. That's right. I forgot that's that. Right. I would have never told anybody else about that, though. I know, but I'm saying you know. <laughs> um, All right. We're doing the classic. So Alexander stays behind for a moment. Yeah. I I, I was just going to um, tell him two things. One, Kaz's voice is gone. So I don't think we can rely on him as a resource. All right. Where did um, where did that happen? I pull out the gem that I got. It's a working theory, but I think him and Teb are inside this now. He just kind of nods slowly. Well, that's um, there it was when you uh, first found them, isn't it? Potentially. Does it mean I you're free always... of their um, kind of like gestures to your chest? And then your head. The first time in my life, there has not been another voice. You know, it's uh, kind of sincerely gives you a half smile and just nods. Oh, by the way, I abandoned the name of Steel. I go by Exal- Alexander now. Right. It's uh, I'll explain it a later. little less cool, but um, it's a weird fucking name. Alexander. I'll explain it later. Uh, all right. Don't think I need to know that. It's that's fine. It's it's all fine. I go by fucking Gavik instead of Lord. Should I start calling you Lord now? I would fucking murder you if you did. I'd love to see you try. Hey Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a cowboy. Hey oh Alexander. <laughs> I just Alexander. know, like, if I ever was, like, Alexander. doing any sort of, like, talking or role-playing as Gavik, I was like, I, I pictured me meeting Alexander. It's like, Alexander. Alexander. Because that's uh, exactly what Alexander. I call my best friend, Alex. I call her <laughs> Alex. Alex. That's been her name for nine years. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I just leave it there and I walk out the door. Sure. Yordi. Make a perception check as you walk out the Guildmaster's Hall. Oh, fuck. Uh, 21. You notice a symbol on the wall. <coughs> on a, uh, a tapestry 
that is ancient by the look of it and has not been repaired, but it's been replaced on the wall. And you notice a symbol that you've definitely seen long, long ago. It is a symbol that Varn had tattooed on his hand. At some points, you know, he was a fucking changeling, so he kind of did his own thing, but. Just gonna stop at the tapestry and just be like, point at it and be like, I know this symbol. A man that I once journeyed with named Varn had it. Does this symbol mean anything to you? See, uh, a couple of people that are walking along the hallway as well. One of them is a dwarf uh, with a mohawk, and the other is a half-elf woman uh, with long, brownish-red hair. And they both just kind of stop next to you and look at it and just kind of smile sadly and say, uh, the dwarf goes, Aye, that was, uh, that was our teacher long ago. That was our Jona. That'd be Varn. Is he still here? Woman responds and she says, uh, We don't think so. Um, from what we learned, he died in, in this time. She kind of like screws up her face a little bit as she's saying it. Uh, the, the pat, hmm, this is a weird concept. Um, recently, in the last year or so from the current date, I think. By Novarn, nothing could take that man down. So please inform me of his demise. Uh, he, he, his demise has happened. Again, what happened to him? Oh, um, yes. Uh, kind of like looks at the group. I, I don't just like Would looking at be, all of you. This be about when I walk up. Probably. I would say Clucian, you definitely have picked up all of this. If you want to take it. Uh, uh, we were there. We can explain it to you later. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> like, I think I'd like to know as well. Um, if we're ever in the mood for a pint tonight, then, uh, Raise one in his honor. Yes, I think that would be. Uh, we could arrange that. Lucian is panicking. <laughs> Are you guys talking about Varn? Yeah. Yeah, sure enough. Well, you remember we performed surgery on him. At this point, hearing Alexander say this, he's just going to look at Clucian and just be like, what else? Haven't you told me about our friend Varn? Attention. Is, it, is this really the time and place for this? Time I don't see with, any other times. Before That'll your, your wife dies, okay? If if she dies, okay? it's Now's the time to get everything out. We have to well, save Morgan's, her. Morgan's suddenly like, if she dies, she dies. <laughs> oh my god. It's a little news? low. It's, <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> I don't want her to all cry. Uh, last I saw of him, he was back on our home world. Well, he wasn't well. Something about being here or 
so he wasn't entirely sure what it was, but it was killing him. It was being out of his place in the shifting planes or whatever it was. He, he didn't seem to be really sure of exactly what it was. See the, the two people in front of you just kind of like both of their eyes go wide and they look at each other and they're like, oh shit, do you think that's going to happen to us? We're not supposed to be here. And neither am I. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I mean, technically none of us are. Right, well, um, <clears throat> you guys are did this uh, sickness, what did this sickness look like? Was there any, um, any symptoms or, or any signs? Uh, he was, uh, DM helped my memory. He was like coughing and hacking up blood, wasn't he? There was. And it won't necessarily happen to you. You're not necessarily supposed to be this win. We're not really supposed to be this world. <laughs> See the dwarf just like screw his eyes up and he's like, I I need a drink. Alright. <clears throat> I could use as one too. Walk, I'm just gonna as he's walking away. It, if it makes you feel better, he's not technically dead. I'm not sure that that makes me feel much better. No. What is he? A zombie or he performed sur- surgery on him? Is is he's he's he said he's dead. We said he's dead. We heard he was dead. Like some but zombie handbook these guys have all read. <laughs> <laughs> they're from a time, remember, they're from the time that the demon lord Ariano, the demon mm-hmm. prince of everlasting night tide, Ariano Tovala, was literally raising an army of the undead. Like, zombies are their number one go-to if something weird is happening. They're like, is it a zombie? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Far removed from it. Hearing that, you were just going to stop and be like, so first you tell me he's dead. Now you're telling me he's not? Make that two drinks. <clears throat> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Bill, I had to do that to you. Well, he <laughs> isn't Varn, necessarily, now. I mean, he is, but he's kind of ascended to something else. And we're not sure exactly what that is either. It's a lot. Ascended how? Are you saying he's a god now? Maybe? <laughs> well, if that man's a god, I'd hate to be on the other side of him. Outside, Orifarne and Bear he's taking you along the side of the island where Clucian uh, and Ginny had first gone out, where she gave him the token of the departed. Where, um, it's like a small beach, uh, right in view of the large Tenestari fortress. There are ruins and rubble all along the, the grassland leading to the beach. And there are secret passages and hatches and tunnels all throughout this area. He takes you out toward the beach, um, and takes a left into this stone courtyard where like the walls are, are about eight feet tall, made out of cobblestone, um, in a in a rectangle where you enter is probably close to 12 and there are like small stone steps spaced throughout this courtyard uh, and pillars that have long since fallen and crumbled into the earth he leads you out and he just kind of sits on one of the stones and he gestures for you as well 
Okay, he just walks up. He says, uh, first off, I, uh, I'm going to need your help with something. I'm going to need you to help me take off this armor so it doesn't take me so long. And then we're going to need to take your armor off. And we're going to need to sit here. And we're going to need to meditate. You think you can do that? Yeah. Yeah, I think I can. You able to keep your mind... He's like tapping his temple very hard. He's like, you able to keep your mind sharp? Like you... Like you... you like looks down at your equipment. He's like, like your Kukris. Uh, like that, that long sword there. You able to keep your mind that sharp as well? As sharp as my blades, yes. Good. Both of you doff your armor. Sit together. <laughs> yeah. Six feet apart because we're not gay. That's right. <laughs> Two Tinnistari sitting in the hot tub. Um, you hear him just slowly give a throaty hum almost like a uh, I don't know the actual word for it but like the Mongolian throat singing yeah he has like a throaty like and like kind of brings it up and out and up and out a couple of times uh, and then he stops and with his eyes still closed and his hands just kind of resting on his knees, he says, uh, part of the key is um, really dipping a bit into polyphonic ingenuity. You have to use your voice to influence the world around you. And as you do so, you're able to connect on a deep spiritual level with other beings. See, polyphonic ingenuists, they think that just influencing the fabric of reality is... You know, enough. But what we do, what the Atmalian arts do, is we take it a step further. Instead of just influencing the world, we influence the people. We influence their hearts, their very souls. We can turn an enemy into an ally. If we could turn a friend into an enemy, we could shatter somebody's heart if we wanted to. We could capture their soul. The possibilities really are endless to your creativity. But what I'm going to teach you is the Soul Snare. If you have time after all of this other shit is said and done, I'd be happy to teach you more if you can get this one down. Okay. You want to take your voice and rise into your throat. He kind of begins doing the throat singing again. As he does, you begin to feel this push and pull almost in the air around you. The longer he does it and the louder he does it, it begins to feel like the air itself is like a tide crashing against the shore. He says, now you try. I repeat it. It's happening in these chats. <laughs> it's like, um... Orfarne, make a constitution saving throw. Okay. I'm going to use Indomitable to uh, re-roll that natural one. Oh, boy. God damn it. It's a 13. 13 will do it. 13 will do it. We begin to mimic the way his voice is rising in his throat and coming out. After a few minutes, you begin to get the hang of at least that piece of it. You don't feel the air pushing and pulling as his did. 
but you do feel the right movement in your breath and in your voice. Uh, after 10 minutes of straight throat singing, essentially, just mimicking the noises he's making as he's making them again as well with you kind of rising in this weird, deep harmony. Um, after about 10 minutes, you do begin to feel like your cheeks. You know that feeling when you learn something that is just like the coolest thing you've ever heard or something that also equally is like frightening on an existential level and like your cheeks get tingly? That's what you begin to feel. You continue the throat singing. If I can, I'd like to cast Bless on myself. Sure. Yeah, easy to do. He stops suddenly. He says, okay. And the next step is to look at the um, at the target of the spell, if you will. So I'll look at you. And he closes his eyes. And he says, when I look at you, I see. And his whole body is like swaying back and forth, still in the air, still charged, even though he stopped his throat singing. When I look at you, I see heartbreak, I see pain, I see a man who's willing to sacrifice anything. Is that correct? It is. You know, it's still his eyes closed as he just lifts his head to look at you. And when I see the state of your heart, I see conflict and I see mixed confusion at times. I see unwavering faith. You see him smile with his eyes closed. I see you, Orofane. Your next step is to see me. This is close your eyes. Do the throat singing until you feel that familiar feeling again. And then truly see me and see my heart and my soul. And once you have mastered that, we can continue. He nods his head and takes a deep breath and closes his eyes and starts the humming. Make another con safe. That's a good roll. 24. Okay. You, you begin much quicker, much faster. You feel the, the vibrations beginning to form around you. You close your eyes and you're looking and no, it's just black. Just, it's just darkness. Um, you see a little bit of light brown from where the sun is hitting your eyes, but for the most part, you see nothing. And he begins to encourage you and says, it can take time. Just continue as long as it takes. You only have six days to master an art that takes most months. Okay. He uh, furrows his eyebrows a little bit. Bare-chested in the on the beach. He focuses very, very intently and continues the throat singing. Sure. Give me one more con save. I'm going to add my D4 to that. Uh, that'd be 25. Okay, DC was 20 on that one. All right. You're doing, you're doing all right. You're starting to get the hang of it again. Once more, you stop when he talks to you. You kind of just lose it for a moment. You bring it back up. 
very quickly this time. Within about 30 seconds, you managed to get the vibrations going. You managed to attune to the nature of the life around you momentarily. You, With your eyes closed, you just briefly see a flicker of a light bluish flame almost uh, from where he's sitting from what you would just assume to be maybe his soul or maybe his life or his mana or something along that nature. We're going to cut back to the others. What are you guys up to? You've got some time to kill. You've got some things that you can do. Like, uh, is it mid-afternoon-ish? Yes. What you got, Dara? Us. You're mute. There you go. It didn't catch the first part of that. Oh, I would like to find Zelos before the night comes. Sure. Not incredibly hard to do, just asking around. Um, yeah, uh, he is currently staying in his house that he has here. He's returned from his trip. Okay. Um, you find it fairly easily, knock at the door, I assume. He's like, uh, come in. Who, um, who was here? Oh, it's, it's Dara. It's been several days. I wanted to come check in on you. It's Dara, yes. Uh, yeah, please, um, won't you come in and, and sit for a moment? I, I could put on some tea if you'd like, or not that we need it, I guess, but <laughs> there are things that we enjoy. No, I'm good. We just had tea with Villamere. I hope you don't mind that I... He kind of gestures and you can see a, a small wooden stove that he's got a, a teapot on already. You watch him just slowly walk over. Uh, he's not wearing what he was wearing when you first met him. Uh, okay. You look at Zelos now and you see him tall, probably standing six foot six-ish. Um... He's got a slightly rounded face with deep set uh, eyes that are clearly artificial. Um, one of them looks almost wooden in design with like a red painted iris. And the other one is more of a gemstone uh, that is also red. And he's wearing traditional, just for the sake of describing it for you guys, uh, essentially like traditional Japanese style clothing. Uh, what's the word for that? Uh, it, yukata. I was right? about to say, is it? That, but uh, I thought that was. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I am. It's not, wearing essentially like a male yukata. It's like I'm not an expert on Japanese fashion, so I yeah. could not tell you. It's basically a long, like kimono-esque robe, uh, with long, wide sleeves, with a sash around his waist, and you see him just slowly places one hand on the handle of the teapot and one hand on the actual pot itself and moves it over to the counter and begins pouring the tea um, into his cup, just slowly fills it, slowly sets it down, moves it back to the stove, brings the cup under one hand and holds the handle in the other and just looks at you and says, what, um, what can I do for you, friend? <laughs> I totally... This is terrible but i fucking forgot that dj chad is always on my shoulder when we came up to gavik and he is undead so we oh, cannot shit. let him know that that is undead 
or it's we'll gonna... just say that we'll just say that DJ had like fallen off his shoulder and was just like rolling around outside the room or something. Okay, that's yeah. fair because that would have. We don't. I, we don't need to go back to that. I don't right want to go back. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I I object permanence. If I, I obviously I would have known, but you're telling me I have aphantasia. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like Sarkis would be an obvious one because you know he's seen Sarkis, <laughs> but I'll for Zelos's. I will have DJ yes. Chad with me. Um, he makes no inclination that he he doesn't seem to care. Oh, that's that's fine. I didn't expect him to. Just finishes pouring his tea and holds it in his hand and takes a small sip and he says, what can I do for you, friend? I just wanted to be in your presence just before we leave. We came through um, a portal and it was it was a lot. He tilts his head, just listening. I've gained new wisdom of the world, and all of our training has paid off. Excellent news. It is. I hope that we can succeed. I wanted to let you know that we would, we will be leaving to, to fight champs to hear the chaos dragon it is uh i might not return and if i don't i wanted to say a final goodbye you see him just give a slow nod of his head he says um you will return i'm sure and if you don't then you will scatter like dust in the wind yes and this is also okay i have recently Returned from a long battle myself. You kind of, as he says that, you kind of glance around the room and you can see his humble furnishings, uh, just a small mat on the floor for his bed, small pillow, uh, kind of rolled up along the wall. You can see uh, his large hat that he wore the last time you had met him is currently hanging on the wall and it's been chipped and frayed. It looks like there are fresh cuts on it. Um, you can see the clothing that he had worn previously is just kind of sitting in a wash bin in the corner and it is mangled and stained with blood. And you see his swords, uh, three of them, three large katanas, just kind of leaning up against the wall next to a couple of stones that he would sharpen them with. And he says, I have also just returned from a long fight. Where did you go? I returned to a place that caused me deep emotional pain. And I faced the things that I once ran from. Dara shows a, a face of like, that is a good accomplishment. Doesn't have to reply. I find there that- There is a place- Sorry, go ahead. There is a place that I and a few others founded long ago. We traveled west and traveled through the mountains of Axiom and created a, a city, a, a safe haven for ourselves, uh, our kind, and a human. We took an expedition west in the first era, deciding to wander the world and find a home. That home became... Moeri Tuck, 
in the place that is now known as Linaris. Um, I believe they call it Burning Falls now. Myself and Klisa, uh, you see him just kind of like, just for a moment, pause at the mention of her name. We led an expedition of steelborn and humans, to a few elves and dwarves and gnomes and those that we had picked up along the way. And we crossed the Whispering Sea, a feat that none had done, at great losses. By the time that we had landed in Linaris, a strange new world, we were greeted by craglands and flowing rivers of lava. Now it's known as the Tuveric Emberlands. That's... We had hoped it would be a home for our people. Glisa and myself were the only two of our kind to survive the journey. The only other survivor was a human named Grant Hughes. Grant was... Um, sorry. I, I can send this to you. Don't worry about it. No, that name. What? Did you just make up that name? Yeah, no, it, it, I've had it for a long time. His <laughs> name is Grant Hughes. His name is Dr. Grant Hughes. It's what his full name is. Does he have curly, wispy brown hair and has an English accent as well? No, he does not. <laughs> okay. It's not you, Grant. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. All right. Thank you, though. That Dara's gonna... We lost the entire expedition except for the three of us. And together we founded Moeri Talk. It was a great accomplishment and I stayed for a few centuries, but over time there was a he shakes his head, a misunderstanding and Clissa was killed. And I left. It was painful to stay. I remember I had, I had known Clissa. She was the only one of our kind that I had known before meeting, well, a few hundred years of life together left a pit in my stomach when she was gone. And so I left. And I came back to the Green Sea. And finally, I returned back to Murray Talk and faced the monster that had took dear Clissa. But I did not strike with anger, but precision, emotionless. Dara, you remember what we talked about once before outside the temple of that unknown god who turned out to be Vilimir, right? Can't let your emotions sway your actions. It just nods. On my journey, unfortunately, I had a falter. And not to, I'm not trying to disregard what you just told me. I'm very upset to hear of her passing. It was and more than a thousand years ago. I, at this point, you have never told me this. It is new to me. I still should say something. When we were at the Bermoka, hello, the Baboka Buddha, <laughs> the Baboka Buddha, 
also on the Bamoku Muda guys. Spell her name because Bamoku Muda. A S I A. I knew somebody was going to do it. L I S S A. I linked it. I linked it in the chat. Okay, in Messenger. Right. I'll check that later. Thank you. Um, we were in the middle of the Barokamuda in the final round and Shamps to hear when he shot a blast the first blast blew through a giant of the desert and my body reverted to its previous state from Oberon and I went mindless. Um, from what I know, Clushin ch- tracked me and chased me till I came to, and I remembered everything from before. Um, it's patchy, of course, with time as all things are. I don't expect to remember everything all at once. I'm not a god, but it's given me peace. And I hope to never act in my emotions again. But I cannot promise that my body will not go against me if another shot like that happens again. The noise see him triggered something. Holding his tea the entire time, and he waits until a few seconds after you finish talking to sip it. And he just sets it down on the counter, kind of leans back coolly and says, So you were affected by the Abaddon Protocol. I'm assuming... It was our... Well, it was oh, your sorry, model's initial... It was your model's initial destructive command. It would release you and your kind to the front lines and initiate the Abaddon Protocol and carnage would ensue on all sides. And then my kind were meant to he kind of like half smiles and looks down at the floor. Clean it up, I suppose. Mercy and all of that. Then I am thankful that we have both overcome what we were and became what we want to be. Literally, as you say that, he just looks at his clothing soaked in blood at the tub. And his head just like drops back down looking at the floor and he says, Mercy. And nods. I call DJ Chad to my arm. I'm assuming he's just rolling around. He had found a nice warm corner to lay in. Let's see him just slowly, this time slowly walk over to you and looks up at you, expecting you to lift him. I mean, I, I reach my hand down and I pick him up and do the whole, like, hold with one arm thing that all the dads do to their small little dogs. <laughs> they all do it. Salos just looks at that and says, see that you've made new friends. This is good. Allies are always needed. Well, I think of you. You're in my thoughts. Do you wish to come with us to help give out? Mercy. He looks at his swords once more and he says, <laughs> at your mercy comment, he's like, just winces almost. And he says, uh, unfortunately, 
My mercy is needed elsewhere. There is a very bad man in the north. He's hurting a lot of people. To give my to Shamps to hear. He like looks at his hands and just for a brief second, Morgan Dara sees blood all over him. Ew, what the fuck? Almost like a glitch in your circuitry. Like he's just covered in blood for a brief second and then it's just back to normal. And he says, uh, unfortunately, I think we have very different ideas of what mercy is. Dara's perception of Zelos shifts. <laughs> not, not in a negative way, just an acceptance. And they nod. Dara will remember that. (laughs) 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 Yep. Um, Because the way I think about it is developing, like, is, is he being, they, I'm remembering the story of, this is going to spin off. I don't want to. Marshall, you told me about a guy who annihilated everything to purify. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. It's so it's. I don't he, want it to be that. You're getting the insight. You're getting the insight that for him in this moment with these specific people, he looks at death as a form of mercy because that was his old protocol on Oberyn. He would clean up the battlefields, swords sticking down into any survivors, regardless of either side. I see. Because it's not profitable to bring back wounded soldiers. And now, he obviously remembers everything, as he shared with you before. And having faced his past and having overcome it, he is choosing to be a little edgelord. (laughs) Mm. Yes. And go around assassinating really bad people. That's what he chooses. That's his choice. I don't align with and that. And that really but... bad person is, uh, as he would say, somebody in the north. You know, Torvala just had a very bloody revolution. Yep. You know that they just killed the figure that led them to that. They just beheaded the light spirit yeah. who literally rose up against them. And their leader is a ruthless ruthless person and he says they're trying to burn refugee camps they're trying to kill the weak they don't want their new republic of Torvala to be anything but the best it could be kill the poor kill the weak kill the plagued start fresh my mercy just pauses and looks at his swords. My mercy means killing the person who will do the most harm. Because mercy, and I'm going to do a little thing for Bill here. You might like this. Because mercy cannot come at the expense of the victims. You can save Shams to here if you want. But what of all the people that he has literally erased and the people that he has driven to despondency? He shrugs. I don't know the answer. I don't have an answer. But I am skilled with a sword. And I go where I'm needed. I... At least for now. 
as he finishes his sentence, I druid craft a. Oh, God. Do something for like two seconds, make a scene or something. Bleep, boop, bleep, 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 boop. He's I picture Morgan said, do something Farnay, crazy, do like, something crazy. Doing yoga on the beach. In <laughs> <laughs> their undergarments. And they're just like, Yeah, they're just in this like stone garden by the ocean. Just a great view of it. I had to remember. They're just like hands on their hearts like, I can see you. Um, I see you, brother. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Um, so I'll druid craft as I did for the ladies during their wedding. But this time I was specifically druid craft a chrysanthemum and seal it and hand it over. It's white. And I would hope that Zelos understands that this is a, a gift, but a understanding of what they have to do. And a memorial for what has to be done, unfortunately. He accepts it gently into his hands and just gently says, Innocence lost can be regained with time, but he gives a sad smile and says, Perhaps someday neither of us will have to kill. They nod and they bow respectfully he returns it i will i'm going to leave you my friend for now and when i see you again tell me of your revolutions and mercy Dara, before you go i told you once varn found me when i was alone wandering frightened when I first returned to the Green Sea and had nowhere to go. No friends, no contacts. Everyone I had known had been killed or had died naturally. I swore to him that I would help defend this place. Hope you know that that is what I'm doing. Dara's eyes shift and they smile and they said, I didn't think that your intentions were of malice or hate. As you said, emotions need to be negated. What you're doing is what you think is right. And unfortunately, I have probably done the same at one point. And I don't regret it because it saved a lot of people. We're going to try this and if it doesn't work, we don't succeed, then I won't see you again. But if it works, I will come back. He nods. Then I will see you when you return. They and smile. Hopefully, <laughs> again. And hopefully, once this Amira mess is done, the world mellows out a bit and stops trying to kill itself. We cannot control chaos. This is true. But... Even in muddy water, if you let it sit, it will clear. I'm restraining myself from speaking about fish lore. I'm going to walk out the door. You guys have, I assume, left the Tenistari Fortress. 
standing outside in the sunshine, Clushin, Yordrim, Alexander. What are you guys doing? Going with the other dwarf to get some ale. Thumbs up for me. Easy to do. After that bombshell. Well, I guess I'm going to go with them in case they have any more questions, because I feel like I can't just, like, <laughs> leave them to wonder. Yordi's not using his mug, either. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Better keep your armor on. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, he's a married man now. He's changed. It's changed, yeah. All right. Going into the tavern. Uh, Chase, was there anything you wanted to do before? Uh, what I want to do can be done afterwards. Okay. Oh. But, I mean, in the intern, I, I don't want to go to the tavern. Okay. What are you going to do? Head to the beach somewhere. I mean, not in the same area where Orofarne is. Just to go check out Orofarne in his underwear doing downward dog with his <laughs> impressive new rear end. You see, Victor, oh, I, I, like I, fully. I felt, the sec- I felt the sexual tension as they left, so I don't want to be anywhere near that. You see Bear just like stripped down to his shorts, just super hairy all over, and he's just like adjusting Orfarne's hips. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> My soul is so snared right now. <laughs> that was the true spell. <laughs> so, uh, Yordi and Clushin, as you begin walking into the, the tavern with Digby, the dwarf, um, you see uh, Alexander just kind of saunter off toward the beach. With Millie, I presume. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, and you see Millie and Alexander walk off to the beach, and uh, the dwarf kind of looks back at all of you, and he's like, don't suppose I gave you my name. Uh, the name's Digby. I'm second in command here. <laughs> well, I, I used to be. Now I'm a bit lower in the pecking order. <laughs> Uh, the new, the new boss took over, and uh, <laughs> well, he wasn't um, super impressed by my display. <laughs> nah, it's water under the bridge. He's a good guy. What was your display? Oh, it's uh, during the uh, attack when we um, there was a uh, a primordial, uh, primordial fire creature. Uh, Attack the um, my God! My brain is just switching accents like every other word. <laughs> a primordial fire creature attacked the uh, the fort, and um, yeah, supposedly that's how um, everybody died. And when uh, Master Gavik came to rescue us with Vilimir, um, I wasn't exactly the most. Uh, I didn't question the fact that two strangers just appeared inside our fort when we're in the middle of war with uh, the demon prince of everlasting nighttide, Eriagno. And so there was a bit of oversight and Bear kind of stepped in and, and was a bit more leadery than I was. So that's what it is. New guildmaster is the new guildmaster and he'll decide who retains the positions of power. Fair enough. Uh, 
Gavik's a good guy for, well, kind of sometimes. Uh, kind of like sits time. down at the bar, orders a couple <laughs> drinks, just kind of like puts his fingers up, puts three fingers up and just kind of gestures to the two of you and quickly three mugs get sat down in front of you with ale. So, um... <clears throat> he orders his down in his. I got a wee question for you. Yeah. Maybe you lot aren't the ones to ask due to the um, weird shit you were saying about not being from here either, but um, Barn had a uh, protege. Yeah. Uh, and from Gavik and, and that Villamir's conversation, it seemed that that protege was the one who was going to lead to the downfall of all of our people. Whatever happened to him? We haven't really had time to slow down and find anything out, but um, it was a snot-nosed little brat named uh, Kaz Riley. It was Varn's fucking favorite plaything. Fucking treated him like a son. Led to some amnesty, let's say, between some of us and him. That he... I don't really a whole, a whole, uh, know a whole lot about that. <laughs> okay. Lucian is so not trying to get in the middle of that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Um, like I said, it's a long shot, I guess. Some insight, Clusion. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> Clusion, roll a deception check. Oh, no! <laughs> Meanwhile, Digby's just like downing his ale, slams it down, just puts up two more fingers for your German Digby. You got me, Bill. Rule nine. Excellent. I was worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know a whole lot about cats. That's fine. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if he died an ungrateful death in the fire in the woods. I'd be a bit sad, but um, I don't think he deserves that kind of fate either. You see him just kind of like hold his mug just kind of softly in front of him and just kind of stare into it as he says that. Would be a shame to see someone with all that training go to waste in a fire in a forest or something like that. <sighs> Not just that. The kid was good. It was, um, he takes a long sip of the drink and sets it down. And he's like, hate to admit it, but he was probably, probably on track to become one of the best of us. He was a bright lad. He's a good lad. I think a lot of us were jealous of him, but anyway, you lot have been talking, uh, from what I could tell an awful lot about a, uh, a dragon that needs hunting. That's, uh, that's why we're here. We're trying to figure out a way to stop it. It seems to be unstoppable. The last time we fought it, it was remarkable what it could do. Your a set of of uh, feet, uh, kind of almost like claws, almost clicking into the floor. You look over and you see the the large Leonin just kind of leaning over, and he's taking a couple steps, and he's like, "Here, you're uh, wanting to kill a dragon." And he just kind of like sums the the amulet he has, filled with dragon scales. Do Not we to brag, but I have 
been instrumental in a few of them dying. Didn't we take a piece, like part of Shamsu, like shot out or something like that? Okay, I, I just wanted to make I thought sure. Clucian had found it. Did you get a shard of it? Yeah, Clucian found oh, a shard the of it. Nightfall. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if I had you it, wrapped it, had it or wrapped it up, dude. Um, until the guy be like, uh, "This one didn't really have scales quite like that." I'm gonna like pull the thing out, and, like unwrap it a little bit, be like, "It's more made of this kind of thing." I once fought a dragon that was made entirely out of electricity. They come in all shapes. It just starts roaring with laughter. (laughs) 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 Oh, I like this one. (laughs) He's like, uh, he gestures at it. He's like, could I see it? Uh, Yeah, sure. And I might like hand in the whole cloth. Like, I haven't, I don't know if you want to touch it. I didn't want to touch it. He touches it. He unravels it. That was my dice coming out of the bag, in case you heard that. <laughs> it was so loud, though, from the other room. We all died. Oh, my God. It was a lot. Just instantly vaporized him. And he recognizes it. And he says, this is um, uh, what we called it, the nightfall, back in our time. And it tended to signal the bad things. Monster activity would spike, and at times monsters would flee the area, wreaking havoc on local villages as they fled the nightfall. Whatever was at the center of it, we never discovered, but occasionally nightfall would appear over certain areas, and we never knew if it was the work of some kind of druid or shaman or some necromancer or something. This is what you're hunting. It is, and if you've dealt with this, there must be a way that can we can combat this. Well, um, back when we were cleaning up after the nightfall, we didn't really have a way to completely dispel it, but there was a, a man, uh, a doctor, from the north, uh, he had these these crystals. Uh, he sold us a batch once. Proved relatively effective, at least in capturing the effects of the nightfall. The we we linked it to some sort of magical influence over the mana in the atmosphere, but we we're not that technical. But his stones could capture mana, so. We were at least able to. We were going to <laughs> try it out large scale, but well, here we are. How long ago was this? Uh, what year is it? I personally, honestly, don't remember. <laughs> as as Addison totally forgot. It is the third era, year five thirty two. And, he, and when you say that, he's like, uh, how how long was the first and second era? Um, like, it was a long time ago. It's quite a while, I assume. If the third era is 532 years so far, even if that was the baseline for the other two, which I have no idea. 
at least a thousand years ago. Yeah, that uh, that that doctor, that scientist is he's uh not he's not around around anymore, but vaguely (laughs) familiar with this work. Um, but you see him just like tilt his head and like look at you like. Do you know of this man? Not directly, but like, like, uh, the, he's going to kind of like cross his arms and be like, yeah, Clushin, do you know this man? (laughs) Spicy. The results of his, his science are still present in the North. They have cities with crystals that run things and stuff like that. It's, 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 but it's not, Really, uh, didn't end well. His his daughter has been right. It was his daughter, right? Yeah. Uh, she's been locked up for trying to continue his research. It got to a point where it wasn't uh, good for people who were involved. Digby kind of interjects, and he's like, "I told you that that we could harness the power of those stones to make great machines, and everybody fucking laughed at me." I fucking told the doctor he could do that. I fucking invented that. I'm a fucking genius. You see him just down his beer and slam it down. Um, Mnar looks back at Euclid and Yordi and he's like, never mind him. He, uh, he's easily distracted. Uh, you, you say that his daughter has been imprisoned. Yes, she was. For she continuing was, uh, his work. That's what it looked like, but she was prisoned because people went missing and they blamed her for it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it could be it could be a useful avenue in the fight against Shams Tahir Shams where he like looks up at the sky, you know, like outside, and he kinda of, like gestures, you know, to the roof, to the sky outside. He's like or the um giant floating rocks in the sky that they say mark the end of time with Amira. Yeah, time time is a bit lacking for that to be much use against Chomps to hear. But in the long run, it may be an avenue that we want to pursue. Uh, you guys didn't know anything about exactly how he made those crystals, do you? He had said that he'd mined them from uh, some place north of the Torvalin Empire, deep in the mountains. He believed it to be a fallen god of some kind, crystallized and ossified. And he said something about mining away at the body of this god and harnessing its power. But then, how did he make them work? Uh, I, I think. The, from what I remember, the inert crystals could absorb mana when exposed. So if you held an empty inert crystal and pushed a spell near it, it could potentially absorb the spell. Or at least siphon some of the mana from it. Our idea was that we could place many of these crystals around the nightfall and slowly soak it up managed to succeed in small test runs with a few crystals filling with the nightfall, but 
never quite managed to close whatever effect it had. This dragon seems to be able to manipulate mana. So I don't it may have been flying overhead or something of that sort causing your atmosphere to drop this nightfall. Um it happened directly after he was present when we fought him last time. And while. And from what we've heard the last couple of days, really, we've been here two and a half days, maybe? The last couple of days, what we've heard is that more more of these dark, portal-like, nightfally things are happening and raining down upon the areas and kind of hefts that thing. He's like, leaving these weird non-geometric things as it back to you. It doesn't seem to be shifting and transforming at the moment. I'm still not touching it and wrapping it up in the cloth and putting it back in my bag. Well, this has been uh, this has been enlightening. We have been trying to figure out a way to fight back at at um Shamsa here and we just we weren't sure exactly what was going to be the best way to go about it and we really only probably have one shot I'll be here when the day comes I'll be there it would be good to be on a hunt again and kind of like bumps into Digby and he says we could use a little bit of hunting right now when nothing else makes sense. Strange technology, strange people, strange weapons. Getting back to basics could be good. We will definitely know, let you know when we leave. It won't be long. So you'll be you ready. Prepare yourself, then you should. We know where he's going to be. We, uh, we appreciate the chance to hunt with you. For our order, that is a great sign of respect. We appreciate all the help we can get. It's particularly important to some of us. He nods solemnly. <clears throat> I could do with some fresh air. Thank you for the conversation. Of course. Box out. How's Digby look? <laughs> Digby's had a few <laughs> at this point. He's oh, like God. riding this high of he's actually a super genius who called all of this happening. And he's like... <laughs> Like he stands up in his bar stool at one point and he's like, There's nothing I can't do. He's like pointing at himself with his thumbs. He's like, He's a fucking machine. You hear that? That shumster here better watch his fucking back. He's like, That's the last blow. <laughs> Just like oh getting my. way into himself. <laughs> with that, we cut back. Alexander walking on the beach with Millie. The ocean is relatively calm. Waves are just gently lapping against the shore. There's a light breeze. Seagulls kind of occasionally chirp around. You don't see too many people out here. Um, At one point, you pass a couple of youngsters kind of playing in the sand, making a sandcastle. What do you do? You know, for as long as I can remember, there has always been a voice in my head that's not mine. It feels rather unsettling, if that makes sense. 
like sighs softly and says, I, I can't pretend to understand what that would feel like. I'm going to find a spot that looks fairly peaceful and just sit looking out into the ocean. Kind of stands for a moment, just enjoying the light breeze and the sunshine. She sits down next to you, kind of smooths out the sand a little bit and sits down. She says, so what's, um, what's on your mind, Alexander? I wish I could say scraps like we just had were a rare occurrence, but they're not. I've been near death far more times than I can count. Just kind of softly, sadly nods. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Galician's arrows are about to be rated <laughs> E for everybody if they start attacking G. <laughs> oh my god. Ay, ay, ay. Everyone's going to turn into his favorite enemy. <laughs> favorite enemy? Everything except dragons. Anyway. <laughs> um, fuck, what was I going to say? I'm going to pull out that uh, focusing... Uh, Star Weaver gem I got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If the connotations behind these are what I suspect, I feel like we shouldn't use them. But at the same time, I'm not sure if we can do this without the aid. Like just slowly moves over and places a hand on your knee. Shakes her head. I can't pretend to know the answer. Been useful. Is that enough? I don't know. It worries me. It worries me what they were saying. Our... She kind of clutches her own holy symbol of Leona. She says, are any of them, any of these dogs, and she kind of gives a small laugh, are any of them even on our side? Do they care about us? Or is it just to further shakes her head, not finishing the thought? I don't know. I know I did flip one off that decided to show their face in the clouds. (laughs) You can't believe you did that, really? (laughs) Yeah, they tried hitting me with lightning, so I flipped them off. That that feels fair. Feels fair. Do you know which one it was? Uh, can I roll some type of check to figure that out? You can try. <laughs> Go ahead and roll a religion check. Religion. That's decent. Not with a three. It's not, though. Eleven. You you think it was one of the usurpers, but you have no idea who they are or what they look like. I don't remember it being one of the core pantheon, but it's been so long ago I can't remember. Um, was that was that here or was that ours? That that was ours right before I vanished. Chance. You think that they had anything to do with you without a, disappearing? Without a without a doubt. She kind of like shakes her head and, and bites her lip a little bit. They were so in over our heads. Got that right. I found a mole on my left knee I've never had. And I noticed the scars that I had gotten from when we were kids. She does like a 
licks her lip and just leaves her tongue there for a moment as she like sadly shakes her head. And just a tear falls and she's like, gone. You don't think that you'd miss a scar so much. This isn't my body. And that's okay. I'm happy to be alive and I'm happy to be here with you and, and, and maybe in a time where people live. I said, but what about her? She takes like a, a deep breath and swallows and says, kind of wipes away a couple of tears, forces herself to stop crying and says, um, shaking her head. <sighs> it doesn't matter. Um, we are defying fate just by being alive right now. This is true. We are defying fate with every step that we take when they tell you that this is fated to happen, when they tell you that the world is going to end because of Amira. We can change that. And they... they <sighs> she sighs and just kind of glances out over the ocean for a moment, she thinks. She says, um... If you're a slave to fate, you lose your free will, right? If you just do what you do because that's how it's supposed to be and someone told you that this is what's going to happen, you're not really living. And some people would say trust in the gods, you know? They have a plan for you. She shakes her head and kind of like holds her symbol tightly. But if you don't, walk your own path don't challenge your fate did you ever really live your own life i mean look at you you had the light spirit of the asamir and you lost it it was your fate to have that and and, and from what fallow said to reunite it and that's not true anymore and that's okay I, frankly i'm kind of happy about that you have fallow who is a zeal you know people who are hated across the entire world he's also the dark spirit of the asimir he broke his fate and chose who he wanted to be you have constantly been at the whim of the voices in your head and finally for once in your life it's quiet because you chose that. And that's what's terrifying. Incredibly. She shakes her head. Kind of slowly tugs on her amulet over and over and over, and then finally pulls it and snaps it off of her neck, just holds it in her hand. She's like, I want to challenge my fate too. I'm not going to reject the powers that I get from Leona. I don't know if she's one of the ones that, well, we don't know. But I want to walk on my own two feet as well. I'll use Leona's power to help as many people as I can, but I'm not, until I know for sure, I'm not sure that I can keep doing it in her name. Remember how Seraphina told me that we were, I was more or less working under the guise of Leona's hand. Yes. I confronted her with that question and she couldn't answer. She like steals her jaw. I know that 
Serafino's on the run. Of what I do not know. So I don't know if she was one of the dogs or if Leona is. She closes her eyes and leaves, uh, uh, tilts her head back to look up at the sky almost. Again, just clenching her jaw, she just slowly nods. But what I do know is they're not here. They're not in this moment. He turns to look at you and gives a soft smile. True. Um, DM, do I still feel that thread of a tether to the Osmere spirit? You sure do not. Do not. Okay. And I can speak with utmost certainty that whatever the weave has done has severed my ties to well everything. Good. It makes me it makes me wonder what else I'm capable of. There's only one way to find out. I hold the that focusing gem in my hand. And I've got a few spell slots left in the banks uh, for your DM side. And I'm going to try to force my, my mana into it to try to get on the same wavelength, so to speak, and reshape it and refocus it. Go ahead and roll me an Arcana advan- uh, check at advantage. At advantage. Copy. The first one's a 13. Second one's a four. So with 13, that makes it 26. Okay. You begin pouring your energy into it and you feel it becoming malleable. I start working it as if somebody would be playing with Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. It begins to slowly shift, take shape. And then my mind flashes to the items the rest of the party got. And the resulting of that last battle. And the thought flashes in my head about something to protect myself a little bit better. And then the the stone. Yeah. And then the next thought that goes into my head were the old robes that I once wore that were destroyed. With the Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I say aloud... Sure, this wouldn't work as I try to shape them into that. Yeah. You redirect your will into it and your mana. And you know that this stone intrinsically that is obeying your your arcane weaving was designed for such a purpose. And as you mold it, it begins to slowly drip from the stone and from what you had molded and then harden and creates a set of robes like you had before. Just from a a fisheye lens, so to speak, do they look, how how do I want to word this? Do they look on par with the other items that the others got? They feel very magical. Differently so in some aspects as it was not designed intentionally to be these ropes. Um, So they don't necessarily have the storied history that the others might. Gotcha. But they are similar in make. I I kind of flip up the collar where the the symbol of the Nureo Lyceum would have been. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I note that it is absent. And she probably would pick up on that check, I imagine. That's, I definitely couldn't have done that before. That is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Wow. The smiling and looking at the robes and looking at you having created them. Just thinking of the power that you've gained, the freedom that you've gained. So what now? Now this happens. She like reaches back, arches her hand, and just chucks the symbol into the ocean. I saw that coming. She just like picks up some sand and wipes her hands free and looks at you and says, well, now I am free as well. Differently, perhaps. But I am free as well. And if Leona is one of the good ones, and if Leona... I'm sure if she is, I'm sure if she is, she wouldn't abandon you over such trifling manner. I'm sure she would understand, and if not, then I have just forsaken my god, and my god was good. And we all find our way back to the light in the end, is one of the teachings of Leona. Drugs. Regardless, it's a nice symbolic act, if nothing else. Certainly. So what of you? Are you going to go with us? Or I'm not, I'm not going to say either direction. You know where I stand. Like takes a sharp intake of breath and kind of like looks out at the ocean for a moment. And she's like, I, and she begins to fidget. Haven't decided. They'll let you know before we go. No sense in rushing things. If I have just thrown away my power, then <laughs> not sure entirely how much help I'd be, but I'll I'll see how the next day or two goes. Well, it's not like I won't be around you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Smiles, takes your hand, starts walking again. Yeah, wa- either walk down the beach or back from where we came from. Or Farney checking in with you guys. Um, you've moved on from the throat singing, the vibrations, the closing your eyes and sensing each other's hearts and souls. And he's kind of just like a bird eye view of the situation. Uh, the two of you are just sitting across from one another, cross-legged, hands on your knees in complete silence for like hours. All right. Okay. And at some point, you don't even know how long it's been. The sun is beginning to dip to the horizon, but you don't notice. Your eyes are still closed, focusing intently. At some point, you feel the emotions of Bear. You begin to sense some of his life and his story. Almost like brief flashes in front of your eyes, you see what could only be a young bear in a shipwreck going down in the ocean, stormy, stormy seas. You see a sea elf rescuing him. Uh, His family had drowned and he was nearly there himself. He'd passed out and hands wrapped around him and he awoke on an island by himself. He cuts a little bit later on in his life and he's living in town, working as a farmer. He seems happy, gangly and tall, happy. 
shoots forward a little bit later, you see him and what could only be his wife and a small child. He's just smiling, holding them and laughing and taking them to festivals and enjoying life. And then it cuts. You see bloodshed. You see buildings burning. You see green-skinned, tall, muscular men with brownish hair that's been kind of braided and knotted running through the village, just butchering anyone they can find. You see a scene of complete tragedy as he runs to his home and finds his wife and daughter trapped beneath the rubble, barely breathing, choking from the smoke. You see him scrawny, trying to pull them free. You see an orc approaching slowly from the back. You see the orc rushing, not going for him, but going for his wife. You just see him just like tears in his eyes, mixing with the ash on his face as he draws his bow and shoots it into the heart of his wife. And then the orc slams his fist down on his child. You see him run. And then you see him on an island with a small fortress being built. You see Varn. You see him just kind of scolding him in the yard about how his attacks are weak. <laughs> and in that moment, you know this man intimately, deeply. You know his pain. You know his joy. You feel every single emotion he has ever felt in his life. You experience every emotion he's ever felt. You find yourself walking in his shoes in many of these memories. And then it cuts. You open your eyes and you see him just slowly stand with tears in his eyes. And he nods. He um, nods at you and then just gives a faraway look as he glances out at the ocean, takes a deep breath and swallows. He says, uh, you're making excellent progress, Orofane. Um, his voice kind of shakes as he's just relived all of this. Uh, we'll, um, <clears throat> we'll start again in the morning, if that suits you. He just nods. You see, like a. He tries to smile, and it just vanishes as soon as he gets his mouth to curl. And he puts a hand on your shoulder and he says, like I said, um, <clears throat> you and I are not so different. He sniffs a bit and he says, uh, but it's good. I think I can, um, <clears throat> I think because of our shared, somewhat shared experiences, I, th I think it'll be a little easier to teach you. Connecting was incredibly fast. My heart aches for you. And mine for you. Come, let's have a drink. Sure. Let's do that. Head back to the Kraken's Fall. You see Clushin and Yordi at the bar. You see Dara walking in. Alexander and Millie, not too far behind. Share what you've learned. Discuss the leads that you've gained. 
as the night begins to wane. You have five days left before Ginny and Shams Dahir arrive in Rosehaven. You've gained some new leads. There's a new weapon that could potentially throw him in stasis. You learn that the amaranth crystals could potentially combat the nightfall in case it appears. Gain some new allies. And with that, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.